This is the Leadership Lowdown. Welcome to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero, and so glad you could join us today. And I always have an opportunity to talk to some of the greatest guests and individuals that I get so inspired by. I've been doing some work with an organization called Providence Consulting, and they do such a great job for us. And we got a hold of the founder and CEO of that great organization. His name is Jeff Detloff. And Jeff, thanks for joining us today. We're so glad you're here. Yes, thanks, Vic. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, tell me a little bit, just to get everybody the context of what it is that you do, your organization, it's, I think some people in the old days would call it an outsourced scenario for IT, but tell me there's a better way to put that, isn't there? The common term today is managed service provider and just abbreviated MSP, and we do anything and everything related to IT, from acquiring equipment or licenses to helping people figure out what they need from infrastructure, that's the network switches and firewalls and wiring and that type of stuff, to everything in the cloud where most of the IT lives today, to security in the cloud, on the desktop, in the office, at home, in the home offices, and uh, the people security and everything that uh, people need to do today is uh, covered by us. Yeah, which is pretty amazing. And I can't wait to unpack this today, Jeff. I'm really excited to hear more about your organization. In a previous life, I spent uh, some leadership time for a large uh, insurance operation and we had a very expensive IT department. And of course, when you talk about small businesses trying to get some IT answers, the kind of resources and technology that you can bring to the table for organizations that probably can't afford, I think it's just so great. I think that's one of the great things I'm looking forward to hearing all about. But tell me, how did this all start for you? Were you the typical tech guy that just was as absolutely in love with computers from the get-go, or did you kind of fall into this by accident? Yeah, it was that the traditional or a scenario where young kid taking stuff apart. There were no computers back then. <laughs> right. Taking lamps apart, anything electric, TVs, fixing them by plucking tubes out and taking them down to the radio shack to find which tube was bad, troubleshooting uh-huh. stuff. And that led to a short career in the Navy. I didn't unfortunately get to work in my chosen field there because of colorblindness. But when I got out, went to trade school, and that led to a career that started in the Detroit area, just fixing things that led to a promotion, moving to Lansing, hooking up with some people. We went into business together to solve some of the problems in the late 90s and that type of stuff for small businesses. And in 2002, three in that time frame, I went off on my own and started the Providence Consulting Company, just one guy consulting with helping accountants and lawyers and that type of stuff just understand where the tech needed to take them in those early days of the early 2000s. And that led to some organic growth in terms of customers and then hiring my first employee and going from there. We've got a 20-year run under us and that feels really good. Well, that's pretty impressive. And I got to tell you, because I got a little gray hair on my temple, maybe a lot of gray hair, but as I was thinking about, you mentioned Radio Shack. For those of our younger listeners, the old days, that's where you went when you had some type of an electronic gadget that you wanted to figure out. And they were way beyond, in my opinion, Best Buy. Because they had the parts, right? Best Buy has the boxes and you take it out. Radio Shack can help you fix it. When you said that, it brought a smile to my face because I'm thinking, well, that takes us back a little bit right there, doesn't it? 
Yeah, that was my favorite store. I'd get on my bicycle and ride over there and I'd get the ad and, you know, batteries on sale and I'd get buy two, get one free sort of thing. So that really, I spent a lot of time in that store and that's what sparked my interest in tech, early tech. And then every year there's something new. Yeah. Security through the you know years came up as a thing and now we're into artificial intelligence. And what's oh, that going to do? Yeah. You bet. Well, there's so much for us to talk about in that regard. But, you know, when I think about, you know, you were talking about the early years. And as a kid, all of us loved taking stuff apart. My problem, Jeff, was putting it back together. So are you suggesting you actually successfully put things back together? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was hired by neighbors to go fix their TVs when I was, I don't know, I think I'm probably 12. Because uh. I had self-taught, just experience. There's only so many things that can go wrong in there. And if it's got this thing, I'd look in the book, find it. Just very similar to what happens today when we use Google or the new ChatGPT or BARD or one of those tools to help us find an answer yeah. and then go implement it. Well, and isn't it amazing? You know, my dad, who was born in 1903, had me when he was 57 years old. One of the things he used to always get frustrated at is how complicated cars were when you lifted the hood. You couldn't figure out or get around to change the oil. And his first car, of course, he reminded me was a Model T, a Ford Model T. So, you know, the innovations that happened there and from what you're talking about are the early days when things had a tube or something maybe that you could figure out three or four things that could go wrong. And maybe it's the same right now, but it's people like you that really make the world a lot easier for guys like me. And we're so glad you're here and so glad today, Jeff, you're joining us right here on the Leadership Lowdown so we can hear a little bit more about your journey right here on the Michigan Business Network. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back after these messages. Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. back right here on the Leadership Loadout on the Michigan Business Network. I'm with the founder and CEO of Providence Consulting, Jeff Detloff, and he is doing a great job of unpacking some of the complicated world, in my opinion, it's complicated, of what happened in some of the technology gains that happened so many years ago and some of the cutting edge. And in that moment, I think it's interesting because around the turn of 2000, when that all came about, there was a lot of things going on. Just so maybe we can remember, years ago with the company that I was at, they were trying to make a decision about computer platforms, and one of the platforms they chose to go with was a little program called OS2. 
And of course, that was with the mighty IBM organization. And they had another choice with a little upstart company called Microsoft that had a completely different platform. And we went with OS2, which didn't turn out to be the best thing. And isn't it interesting, those decisions? And you would think, well, going with IBM sure made sense at that time. But little did people know what was about to unfold. And so you in that moment, is that kind of what inspired you to kind of help organizations feeling like, man, companies need some help here? Yeah, it is. Absolutely, Vic. And the same choices are available today with, you know, I've got a a platform that I need to put my email on and should I pick Microsoft or should I pick Gmail or what else is out there? And so you go back into the early 2000s and Microsoft at that time was because we know it's easy to be the Monday morning quarterbacks. So like, then right. you look back and go, yeah, it makes sense. I should have picked Microsoft. Yeah, let's buy, buy some stock. <laughs> but you don't know that when you're in it. And so they were a strong contender. And one of the things that they offered small businesses that had not existed up to that point was enterprise types of server operating systems, email system, SharePoint on a box, not in the cloud, but just on the server things that you would pay a lot of money for if you were a larger business suddenly was available to small businesses at a heavily discounted price. And it's like small businesses need to operate just the way the big guys do. And this is, you know, my thinking around that. And yeah. so this was the founding of Providence. And we refer to ourselves as a consulting company because that is what we do. We sell a bunch of stuff as well. But consulting is my passion and looking to the future and seeing what's next and how do we start today to adopt the thing that's coming next. And I could see that the Microsoft Small Business Server 2003 was that thing. And that was what we put in a lot of small businesses in and around the Lansing area back in, you know, probably all the way up through 2008 or in that time frame. So, Jeff, what you just shared, I think, is really, uh, man, it inspires me because Part of what happens here is trying to make the right choice as you have all these unknowns. Because your point is, you don't have the ability to be a Monday morning quarterback, especially in your world where you're trying to look ahead, pick trends, pick winners, and then move forward. And when you move forward, it's not like it's, yeah, well, we'll go a different direction if this doesn't work out. You're oftentimes investing a lot of dollars and in some cases, somebody else's money. So, man, I find that a lot of stress. How do you sort through all of that? How do you make good decisions in that regard? Well, so I'm not going to be, you know, like bragging about it, but I just seem to have this knack of knowing the next thing and looking forward and going, this all, it just makes sense. You know, look at, here's the options. I'm going to pick this one. When Microsoft in the whole time frame in there came out with Microsoft phone systems, like I looked at it and went, no, that ain't going to apply. And it never did. Microsoft, when they entered the market after Apple owned the mobile device market, and Google had tremendous market share in that mobile device market, here comes Microsoft with a mobile phone, and it's like, no, don't even go there. So it's that type of, I guess, wisdom, experience, et cetera, that helps me make the right decision. And I feel confident in when we're consulting with clients and showing them what the future looks like. I can do that with a good deal of confidence and then also the history of wins, basically, of, yes, I was right, you know, in all these cases. 
Yeah, the history of wins is an awful nice thing to be able to look back upon, you know. And, and as you think about one of the things that I always, I guess, you know, my son was kind of coming along as a young man during a time when all of the technology was really on the move. And he seemed to like to chase technology. And I'm not sure I gave him good advice, but technology, to chase technology and always have the most leading cutting edge seems awfully expensive. And do you have any reaction to chasing technology? I don't have a lot of time here, but I just want to get your quick thoughts on that. Yeah, so there's always another shiny object in this world today where there's the AI tools. And I'm sure people's inboxes are bombarded with people saying, hey, come look at me, look at my thing. And it's not the wisest choice because you're just knee-jerk reacting to, oh, that is a problem for me. I need to go pick this thing and solve it. Well, you may not even be aware there are three other things that are better than the thing that you got, you know, something that ended up in your inbox. And so you picked the wrong thing because you weren't thinking about it from a, you know, the longer-term perspective or what are the options. And so I always advise people, do not go and pick a software product. Solve the problem by identifying it, writing down, this is what we need to solve it, then go look for Mm. the software or platform that will do the things that you've already written down. That's just great advice for us. So glad you're here dispensing it for free today right here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're with Jeff Detloff. We'll be right back after these messages. something to grow it takes time like the equity in your home that's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit because frequent watering of your house plants may be recommended now can we get a new roof not so much the rest of the house want the best rates for a home equity line of credit ask for LaughQ stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity LaughQ your credit union for life And we're back with Jeff Dedloff. He is the Providence Consultant, founder, and CEO, and we're so glad he's here with us today. I hope you've got a pen and paper because there's a lot of notes that can be made right here listening to Jeff and him sharing some of his thoughts and ideas. You know, Jeff, as you think about all the changes that go through, I love what you said in the last segment about unpacking and understanding some of your challenges and tough things that are coming your way before you chase the shiny bauble that somebody's selling or somebody's dangling in front of you. But, you know, sometimes you don't always get the chance to unpack and to be deliberate, sometimes you get maybe a message that says from the governor that says, hey, we got a pandemic, we're all going to head home, so good luck with that. <laughs> Life changes real quickly. Right. Tell me about your thoughts on how quickly some of that had to change and how your world was impacted. I mean, it was brand new for everybody. And if the people, our clients, were mostly in a better place because we'd already moved them to the cloud, that process took place five, seven years ago or longer And so when you're in the cloud, you can work from anywhere. And we had been espousing that for many, many years. So we felt very comfortable when it's like, here's this thing that has never happened before. Everybody go home and don't come back. And we didn't know if it was going to be a week, two weeks, a month, six months, (laughs) longer, as it turned out. (laughs) And so let's 
round up the troops and get our people down. And we started making decisions around, we need to maintain our culture that was in the office. How do we do that? We need to establish asking everybody, do you have COVID? Did you take your temperature today? Those simple things and recording it so that we can comply with the requirements from the state of Michigan's health departments. And then dealing with customers who all had the same question. How do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? So we did really good. We had got everybody that we worked with that needed to go home and work from home, got home to work from home. And then lo and behold, we have several clients that are in this 50 user type range in terms of number of staff that at this point are making decisions to completely close their office and everyone is working from home because of the success of the work that was done to get them to that place and also talk with them about how to maintain their culture and keep people connected and communicating properly. So it's not just tech. You can't just say, well, we've got this thing. It's called Zoom. It's using it in the proper way. Well, and again, maybe this is not relevant to our audience, so I apologize. But, you know, for some of us, we were there when email came into the workplace at the beginning. And for younger workers, they're like, what? Really? Didn't you always have email? But I remember an email message didn't have any personality. It didn't have any type of, uh, I just remember a lot of problems. And because you would type something and it didn't have a smile on it, or it didn't have something that emoted any type of feelings. And so it became kind of like, what do they mean by that? And there was a lot of those kind of pressures. Well, I think today we're in a similar situation as we change from all in office to remote work to sometimes I don't go into the office at all. I never have an office outside the home, those kind of things. So there's some challenges that come when technology changes and we're dealing with that almost unchangeable human factor that comes into play. Do you agree with that? Yeah, there's no question that these challenges with workforce and how to use the technology to communicate, especially with older people and then middle of generation people and younger generation people that all communicate in different ways and some are very skilled at using these tech tools to communicate with their peers but when you communicate in the same fashion with someone who's not your peer who's maybe 15 years older it doesn't come across the same (laughs) and so that's a huge challenge for business leaders no question about it and we're facing it like everyone else Well, and are there any, like, this is way too long of a question for the few minutes we have, seconds we have left here, but tell me, are there any types of like, well, this is job one. When you're dealing with this kind of change, here's the first thing. Is there an A, B, or C on that? Yeah, I think there is, in my mind at least, and I'll maybe expand on this in the next segment, if you will, Vic, is Dale Carnegie training. If you think about Dale Carnegie, if you were familiar with that type of training program, and the human relations understanding, and you go back to when Dale Carnegie wrote his book in the early 30s or mid-30s, somewhere in that range, 1930s, so nearly 100 years ago, and these principles, they live on. All this time is just applying the principles in different ways. You're not sitting across from somebody, looking at them and speaking in a certain way, if you're sending a message or if you're on a Teams or a Zoom call or something like that, you have to be able to adapt, but still the principles apply mm. from way back. 
Well, and isn't it interesting that there are some things that are timeless, and so I find it interesting that somebody that's smack dab in the middle of technology and all the change that's going on, and you're talking about timeless human principles. That's what the Leadership Lowdown is all about. We're so glad Jeff Detloff is with us today. We're so glad you're with us right here on the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Verschero. We'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. And we're back right here on the Leadership Lowdown with Jeff Tetloff. He is absolutely doing a great job of helping us unpack and understand some of the complex world that Providence Consulting helps understand and help people with and organizations with truly around the state. And Jeff, I guess I didn't ask that question. Tell me, are you uh, state of Michigan only? Do you get into states? Are you international? Tell me about that. Yeah, so we're primarily focused within the greater Lansing area and maybe out towards Grand Rapids, but not quite that far, and out towards Williamston and Jackson and those type of areas. Very good. Central Michigan then, yeah. Well, in our last yeah. segment, you mentioned Dale Carnegie, and that always gets me like, whoa, what are we talking about here? Because I just love those types of people that have meant so much to the human experience. And of course, offline, you shared that you actually went through Dale Carnegie. Tell us about that. Yeah, so probably 25 years ago or so, I was at a place where I was growing in my career, but I needed something else, and Phil Zeller came along, and I'm not sure the details around that, but he's been a tremendous influencer in my life and those of now my employees, because I took the training, and it was life-changing, not just immediate, like, boom, a light bulb went off, and now suddenly I'm a different person, but over time, confidence growing, and I took some other Dale Carnegie-related courses, like, you know, presentations, for people that are on stage and how to do that type of thing, which also then boosted confidence and allowed me to, when I'm having you know conversations with other business leaders, to really present in a way that's understandable to them. And then when I formed the company and started hiring employees, I saw the need to say, you know, these people need that stuff too. So we've put almost everyone on our full-time staff through the Dale Carnegie Training 12-week program And we had a little pause because of the pandemic and they weren't able to do the face-to-face type meetings. But I've watched it change lives. And then, again, it's not just the immediate thing, but afterwards, because the staff are around other Dale Carnegie graduates and we're talking about the same language. Don't criticize, don't condemn, don't complain. The three C's, for example, 
that is doesn't matter whether you're face to face or you're on a Zoom call or you're dealing with somebody through email or chat or other forms of communication. That type of stuff is timeless. And if you have people that are trained in that certain way, which many people are not, then you end up introducing that type of stuff and you can blame it on, well, we're all working remote now. So now we're falling apart and our culture is gone and we need to get everybody back in the office. We see this all the time in larger companies. There may be other reasons to get people back in the office, but it shouldn't be about culture falling apart because there are companies and we're one of them that's proven that we can work remote and still maintain healthy relationships with our colleagues. Well, and I think that's interesting. And that may be something that uh, there may be a special recipe, but you know, I get caught up in sometimes of the headlines and of course, you know, the golden rule and all that other stuff. But you know, right there, don't criticize, don't condemn, don't complain. If I have an employee that follows those three C's, that's a pretty treasured employee, I think. Because I think it's the old, you know, again, uh, more bumper stickers, but, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And there's a biblical principle in there about, you know, those of you that have no sin, please throw the first stone. And so those are some issues that I think are really great, timeless reminders. And what a difference. And you said something, you know, Jeff, that it changed the kind of trajectory of your life. And I think it sounds like it's helped your organization, but it reminds me, and here we are talking to a guy that can probably spin circles around all of us on technology. And we're talking about the human interest, the human value in your company. And isn't that something? Because so many times it comes back to that. You can have technology really right, but you've got to make sure you're spending time on the people. Yes? Yeah. So the tech doesn't matter what it is. There's always, at least until we get into artificial intelligence and bots and machines that are doing a bunch of stuff that's not being done today. But there is that human, and this is this goes to the cybersecurity issues that have happened for many, many years, is that here's this tremendous tech that's got some holes, it's got some bugs, it's got some vulnerabilities in it, but the biggest weakness is the user who's sitting in front of the keyboard who might click on a phishing email and might put in their credentials and give the attacker, you know, an open door to come through. So we have to not focus just on tech, but the tech how it interfaces with the people, and that goes to, you know, treating them with respect and, you know, all the other normal HR principles or management principles, if you will. All that stuff still comes into play, and a lot of small businesses struggle with this thing of how do we control the people? You're giving them something, tremendous tools to do their job, and we have to put some guardrails in there and teach them how to use it properly, how to not do things. So that goes to, you know, the training on cyber, spot phishing emails, that type of thing. But then also policies, procedures, this is the proper way to do things. This is the expectation of you when you're using these tremendous tools. And that all plays into, you know, I'll bring back to Dale Carnegie because it's how it's presented and how they understand it and how they take it you know, it's going to make a difference in whether or not you're successful with a any type of a technology change. You bet. Makes all the difference. Man, Jeff, you're making all the difference in the world. So glad you're with us today here on the Michigan Business Network. Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. And this is Vic Verser. We've got only a couple segments left. We'll be right back after we go pay some bills.
furniture and supplies. At DBI, we do office and have been exceeding our customers' expectations since 1984. DBI is celebrating its 30th anniversary as a premier office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. DBI offers more products and services than any other office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. Find out what DBI can do for your office at dbis.com. This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network with Jeff Detloff, and he is doing a great job of uh, helping us unpack some of the issues and things that we need to understand, the interface between technology and, of course, the human user. And that, when we start talking about security, which you mentioned in the last segment, Jeff, it reminded me of some personal experience I've got with Providence. Providence has an amazing, and that's all caps, <laughs> an amazing cybersecurity educational process for employees. And can you speak to that? Because you mentioned it's all how you present these things. It's a, not a boring do-don't lecture hall, but it's an ongoing process. And I was asked to evaluate it early on when it first got released to the company I'm consulting with. And one of the things I said is that this is really good, but it needs to be an ongoing process. And Jeff, that's what it is, right? Right, exactly. So, you know, we can give training or, you know, have something in writing for people that says, you know, here's all the threats in the world and don't do this type of stuff and call it training. And that's going to be effective for probably a week and then they're going to forget it (laughs) and they're going to be doing something else. So top of mind is a key element of any training type program. And our program offers, it's just a monthly thing, but it's, you know, six, seven, eight minutes video training on demand. The employee can take it on their phone or on their computer anywhere, anytime that's convenient for them or within work hours, whatever the case is. And then it gives them some key points to be thinking about this and thinking about that. And over time, they gain this healthy paranoia, if you will. You know, they're afraid of what's in their inbox, which they should be because 90-some percent of email that's flowing around the world is crap. Well, some of it's spam, traditional-type spam, where it's, I don't want that because it's an advertisement. And a bunch of it is these phishing emails, which are trying to get people to give up their credentials. So the other key point that you maybe didn't mention, Dick, on the training is that we need to test the people also. So some of the training has, you know, tests at the end, like answer this question, just to make sure you were awake. Right, and that's fair. During. But there's also, we send twice a month phishing emails to every employee to see, will they click? And if they spot it, they can report it, and then we know, yes, they're successful, If they ignore it, delete it, that's fine too. It didn't get clicked on. But then the ones that do get clicked on, it's like, okay, well, this person obviously needs more training and is assigned some, you know, training on red flags, what to look for, why did you click, here's the problem that you have. So to be effective, it takes some time and takes some effort and needs executive buy-in, of course, money, and then just be talking about it all the time from the leadership of the organization to the employees that this is critically important because what we do know statistically today is that 90 plus percent of successful attacks have a phishing email somewhere in the attack chain. You know, and Jeff, what it reminds me is that if you were selling uh, home security services, 
one of the best times to sell those is right after the home's been broken into. <laughs> so it's almost always too late. And what I think I just want to have you respond to this is that business leaders that are listening to this particular program have to at least acknowledge and understand that by the time somebody breaks in through a successful attack on your systems, you could be talking not about losing you know, your DVD or a camera. You could be talking about losing tens and even hundreds of thousands of dollars of losses, yes? Yeah, so it gets more expensive every year, and there's ways to mitigate risk with insurance, but it doesn't. It just is, you know, you don't want that tornado to hit your house, even though it's insured, or a flood, or some other natural disaster to come across. And this is a disaster that's, I don't know, call it natural or unnatural, but it could be massively disruptive and affect not just data loss or, you know, sensitive data that gets out into the world, but also reputational harm, the amount of money that might be spent for lawyers, uh, PR type stuff to help you know, fix some of those things that are happening. And then we've seen, you know, just the attacks on the desktop that, you know, it's like, okay, I can't use that computer anymore. And I need to get that person back in business, go buy new computers to replace all the ones that were damaged to the point where it's like, we can't be safe. It's like, I think I can clean it off, but no, that's not the right decision. So, you know, talking about leadership here, Vic, it's like leadership, a key element or a key axiom is leaders must lead. And I'll say it again, that leaders in any industry need to know that this is a true risk. It's not just the boogeyman's out there somewhere and they keep telling me this stuff, but it hasn't happened to me and you don't want to wait till it's too late. The number one way that people can with a low cost, mitigate the risk of these phishing emails is to train employees and test them to make sure that they got the training. Yeah. Well, Jeff, honestly, I just wanted to make sure we made that point in all that you do. I know for a fact when everything works just right, you click a button, you light up the screen, whatever it is, it's all glorious and good. But there is that interaction of humans on the one end. And then there's also when it doesn't go right. And that's one of the reasons why Providence is there. And one of the reasons why you as the founder were so kind to create an organization that was there to help small businesses. And we're so glad that you did that. And you're here today with us today, Jeff. Thanks so much for that. We'll be right back on our final segment coming right at you just after these messages. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. And we're in our final segment right here on Leadership Lowdown with uh, Jeff Detloff, he is doing such a great job of helping us understand the difficult thing. And you know, Jeff, I just happened to think, I think, is it your web address? Is it making tech easy? Do I have it right? You do. 
Yeah. So I just love it because you've made today so easy on me because I'm like, oh my goodness, I hope we are focused on things that are important and are valuable to our audience. And I can't tell you, I think it's a tremendous amount of information you've helped us with today. I want to quickly go into something that I saw the other day in my former insurance world. I used to talk about driverless vehicles and all that was coming our way. And I just read or saw some information on a massive auto tie-up in San Francisco with a bunch of driverless taxis that were having problems. And so it goes back to probably a bigger question, which has been in the news, which is artificial intelligence. And so, Jeff, we don't clearly have enough time to unpack all of that, but give me your Reader's Digest version on your thoughts on what's coming at us. Yeah, thanks, Vic. appreciate the opportunity because this is the biggest thing in tech since probably Google and I remember those days of being on a dial-up modem and finding this thing called Google that I could do web searches with. And it's like, this is life-changing or business-changing. And this tech that we're referring to in a general sense as artificial intelligence is another one of those things. And business leaders have an opportunity to embrace it and to gain advantages, perhaps competitive advantages, by doing it right or putting their head in the sand and waiting for stuff to fall out or putting just focusing on one piece of it, which might be risk. And we need to stop the presses, so to speak, and don't let anybody do any of this stuff because it's too dangerous and we don't know about it (laughs) yet. So I think the smart play is for leaders to work with consultants like us who have that 20, 30 year of history and can see what things are going to happen and how to control this thing. And I talked about policies and stuff earlier, but this is a key time to be saying, all right, we don't need cowboys out there or early adopters to, in our business, go off and just find this shiny object and start implementing it and go, wow, look at this. I'm saving a bunch of time over here and doing this thing here. And it's out of the control of the leaders. And so we need I would say urgently to be considering what do we need to do to both allow people to go do that type of thing, but do it with controls. We've gone through, you know, cybersecurity. We've learned a lot of lessons about how things need to be done in order to control it. And we were taking that same learning from the not so distant past and applying it to here's this new tech and how do we put those guardrails on to both protect the organization and protect the individuals and prevent data from leaking out into the public space. One of the key risks with ChatGPT, for example, is you can say, hey, ChatGPT, here's a report, summarize this for me. And you can upload a three-page document that came to you, maybe from a colleague, and you want to summarize it for your boss, for example. And boom, it will summarize that in 10 or 15 seconds. And it'll do a tremendous job at doing that. But now what? That three-page doc lives in the public domain that you just gave to that bot. And was there sensitive information in there? Was there financial information in there? Was there stuff that shouldn't be treated, you know, casually, I should say? So that's a key risk that we can see people doing, recording meetings, like, you know, for example, and then that ends up on an AI database somewhere. And what was said during that meeting, it's all there. And it will be there that we've learned this stuff from like Facebook, right? 
So we have to be careful. There's so many different challenges and so many things that come at us. And it's the speed sometimes for an old guy like me that looks up and watches how fast things are changing. But, you know, one of the things that I think is exciting is that you look back at innovation and change and a lot of things have happened. And uh, a lot of it has all ended up with some pretty tremendous outcomes and some really cool things that have been helping us as we lean forward. So, Jeff, as we think about companies that are looking for some answers, are you looking for new clients? Is there anybody that you'd take on as to help out? Yes, yeah, so we're absolutely looking for new clients. Our target is uh, in this 20 user, 15 user, 20 user, I'll say that on the low end, 50, 75, 100 on the high end. So not enterprise type companies, but we'll call them small, medium businesses that have technology challenges and they may have a current MSP. Maybe they're not getting leadership from that MSP or they're not getting innovation or they're feeling comfortable maybe about security. We offer free security scans and would love to have a conversation with anybody that's interested. And how do they find you, Jeff? www.makingtecheasy.com is our website. Phone number 517-679-3302. My direct extension is 800. So... Jeff, 800. Very good. Jeff, you are a treasure. Thank you so much for being a part of today. I really learned a lot and I'm grateful for your time. Thanks, Vic. Appreciate it very much. I'm so grateful for your time for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. Thanks for listening to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. I can't wait to talk to you next time. Yeah.